0: but he deserves a little more than that. No blubs. Mm. Warriors don't blup.
1: <laughs> Least in my opinion. <laughs>
0: Hello to all you otters and badgers out there. Welcome to episode two of, of Rosa and Rachel's Red Wall Report. I am very excited to officially get this kicked off with my very handsome co-host. Well, we are here to discuss our first tome, Red Wall, with the, you know, somewhere legends are made. This edition is not great. This edition is very much, you know, much more YA, kind of larger print. A lot of the illustrations are gone. It sucks.
1: No, what's weird is it's not larger print. It's the exact same pagination as really? the one I have. It just looks shorter for some weird reason that I don't get understand. It's, it's kind of a bigger, like... It's uh, just a bigger book. So right? it's taller yeah. instead of being taller. squat. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure they use cheaper paper, so... Yeah, this is,
0: this is definitely beat up, and I just carried it back and forth. Yeah. So we're here to discuss this book. I am here repping my Redwall Creature, which is the Otter, I think, with Sea and it is a sour, and it is very delicious. I'm excited to get into it.
1: What are you drinking? Well, I am drinking a Watchstander Stout from Ghostfish Brewing Company, which is a gluten-free stout. There is a guy on the can with a little like newsboy cap and a goatee so we can pretend that's Brian Jakes. And I'm just going to say it's actually an October ale. Sure. We'll go with that. Yeah.
0: I don't know enough about the drinks in Redwall um, because this is very sour. Are there, are there like
1: sour drinks in Redwall? Probably. I mean, there's plenty of ale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. I'd call that an ale. I think we need to go back and talk about the graphic design, your edition of the Red Wall paperback, yeah. which is just like whatever it is that they sell in bookstores and on bookshop.org. They definitely got like somebody fresh out of high school to design this. It is a close up detail of Matthias holding aloft the sword and the shield, which is very heroic. that may or may not be from the 10th anniversary edition. I don't remember. But more importantly, they cut off half of the sword to make sure the title is huge. Then they gave it a tagline. Yeah. And then also they numbered it on the spine. They did. So that it makes it seem like there is a specific order to read these books. And while there is an order, it's not that order. (laughs) That's just publication order. Yes. So... It was all like super half-assed, and I'm really hoping that when the cartoon comes out, they make a new edition that does it justice and doesn't just steal a bunch of screen grabs from the cartoon. I mean, my favorite thing about
0: this is that, you can't really see it, but Matthias has just the tiniest blep. Oh yeah. Also, he's like, you know, and I have, I have my problems with Matthias, which we will get into, you know, as the uh, episode goes on, I have titled one of the sections, why is myth the worst, but he deserves a little more than that. No blups. Mm. Warriors don't blup.
1: At <laughs> Least in my opinion. Half Medea's blups. <laughs> yeah. Well, i <I'm> a yes. <laughs> that's day is. Well, that's his whole
0: his whole thing. Excellent. Great. Well, I'm glad. Thank you for kicking us off, Rachel. So, so here we so here we are. So what I thought we'd do in this episode or in, in the subsequent episodes as we kind of break this up is kind of dive into kind of the world, the world of Redwall, right? Our last episode, we talked a lot about what brought us to this, why we're doing this, what we're interested in. So I thought today we would kind of first do a summary of Redwall. Luckily or unluckily, a lot of the same things happen again and again and again in Redwall. It's kind of the same the same idea. So we would talk about that. Then we would talk about the hierarchy of Redwall because I just do not understand what's happening. Also the fact that the book seems to both rely heavily on the badger Constance, but then also completely make fun of her for the entire time. What is up with the anti-union activity in this book? Then also how big are the creatures? Like, I don't understand the scale of what's happening here. Why is this so violent? It's quite violent in a really interesting way. Of course we have to, because we're us have to talk about the
1: queer Clooney. Super gay, I told you in the first
0: episode. It's true. It's true. Yeah. He is super gay. And then I thought we would talk. But I about- I forgot him. how gay. Oh God! Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's very gay. It's like mm-hmm. bend it like Beckham gay. Then finally close out this episode with a discussion of is is Redwall actually just a rewriting of Richard III with Clooney as Richard III and Matthias as Boiling slash Henry the Fourth? So that's for one very specific listener, Gabriel. I hope you are tuning into <laughs> that. <laughs>
1: Well, we'll get there when we get there. I have some thoughts too, because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> but, but let's start with Redwall. I, do you do want it. me to summarize it? I think it would be interesting to go back and listen to whatever it was I said sure. in the preview episode. Yeah. But uh, basically, you know, we've got this guy, Matthias. He's a little mouse. He's orphans and raised in Redwall Abbey as a novice. And he's kind of like a doof. But every so often, he has his moments of greatness, like when he catches a gigantic fish with Brother Alf in time for the very first Redwall Feast, committed to text. Uh, that- the the fish
0: dish that they cook is chef's kiss.
1: Yeah, yeah, we should definitely start keeping track of the feasts to decide which ones we would eat. I would definitely eat some fish roasted in dock leaf. Hell yeah. We could just pick up some banana leaves and just make it <laughs> Since we live in the heights. Yeah. So then Cooney the Scourge shows up and he decides he's going to live in St. Ninian's Church up the road. And then he is like, Oh, yeah, Redwall, those guys, I bet they have treasure. It's huge over there. Let's go get some treasure. And he tries to parlay with the abbot. The abbot's like, Well, if we talk to him, maybe we can convince him to go away. That's Abbot Mortimer. And We know how that goes. Clooney is transfixed by the tapestry of Martin the warrior. Because he's having nightmares about Martin. um, Right, he was having nightmares about Martin before he even showed up at the Abbey. So he's transfixed by this tapestry and he decides to leave. And one of his lieutenants, Red Eye, is like, hey, Cornflower was really pretty when we take over the Abbey. We'll save her for you, which, what the fuck, Brian Jakes? <laughs> what? Yeah. What are the, the sexual politics of Redwall are so... Yeah. Hmm, we'll get yeah. into, I'm sure. I'm really excited to reread uh, the story was with Mariel and Danden in them because, you know, I think they were meant to be a couple, but, like, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Have like big buy energy there. They're just kind of platonic friends. With that being said, yeah. So then, oh, I don't know. Matthias realizes that he needs to become the Abbey warrior. He has this inborn gift that he didn't know he had until he helps defend the Abbey against the, the Sea Rat's first attack. How does he figure out he needs to get the sword? He has, and then the classic riddle search throughout the Abbey, and one by one, he finds the shield and the belt, and that takes him up to the roof. To hang out with Warbeak Sparrow Queen and overthrow the dictator, her uncle. In a s- well,
0: yeah, she—he's not the war. Uh, It's—it's Warbeak. She's not the Sparrow King, Queen yet.
1: Not yet. Gotta go. That October ale to wet the whistle. So there's a whole bunch of stuff here that I just completely forgot about because it is kind of like random and weird. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. So as Medeus at this point is introduced as like running through the Mossfire wood, preying on various unsuspecting sea rats, Basil stag hair shows up at some point because Matthias goes by off by himself to rescue the Mouse family and the obnoxious vol, mm-hmm. Colin, because they were kidnapped by Queenie the Scourge. And so that's how he's introduced and it turns out he and Constance know each other from some war that's never discussed. Mm-hmm. and never will be and yeah, so eventually he realizes that actually the sword is in Asmodeus's lair and he needs to go find this giant snake's lair and hopefully the sword's in there. So he sets off even as Cooney marshals his forces to attack the Abbey. He befriends a fox named Sela and her son Chicken Hound. Cause at some point he falls off the wall of Redwall Abbey cause Constance is a badass, And his back is injured so she's a healer who can help. She tries to double cl- cross Cooney, but that doesn't work. She dies. The Red Walers take Chicken Hound in to take care of him, and that he repays them by trying to steal a bunch of shit out of the abbey and running away, and in the process of running away, he hits the ancient mouse Methuselah, very heavy-handed with the names here, in the head with his bag of trinkets, and Methuselah was sort of like Matthias's protector and helped him solve all the riddles. So Methuselah dies. Chicken Hound runs away, never to be seen again, so we think, and... Hint, hint, Rosa. Isn't he like bitten by Esmodius?
0: No, oh, Okay, I guess that's something. I think
1: he's like hiding in a hole or something while it goes by, so you think that he's been bitten, mm. but ah. we'll meet him again. <laughs> and on his journey to go find the sword, Matthias runs into the guerrilla union of shrews and mossflower. Confusingly, there's a character named Guasim who also big butch energy, but she's not the leader, Lagalog is, but there's no leader because they're an anarchist collective. Anyway, they Direct Matthias towards a farmhouse that is inhabited by Sir Gingivir the Cat, who is having a lovers' spat with what the what's the owl's name again? I don't remember. Some kind
0: of Captain
1: something. Captain something is an old war buddy of Basil Stag Hairs, and so Basil gave one of his war medals to Matthias so that maybe the owl guy will help Matthias out. He doesn't because he thinks Matthias is just gonna get eaten by the snake. But he's like, yeah. He's over there, so I'll never see you again. Fuck you. Matthias eventually finds Asmodeus' lair with the help of Guasim and Lagalag, and they enter together. And it's like a really creepy scene. Like, I was creeped out. I've read this book like at least 10 times by now, and it was still creepy. Matthias uses his wits to wrest the sword from Asmodeus and kill him, but unfortunately, Guasim dies. And they make it back to Redwall in time to get Clooney out, who at this point he's almost captured Redwall Abbey, but in the process of fighting with Cooney, Cooney stings Abbott Mortimer with his poison tail, Mortimer dies, I cried, even though I knew it was coming, (laughs) and then... Cooney and Matthias have a very dramatic duel in the bell tower. Cooney thinks he sees Martin, the warrior. He can't tell the difference between Matthias and Martin at this point anymore. And then Matthias cuts down the bell and it lands on Cooney. And that was the spoiler that I asked if you wanted to hear. And you said, no, because that was the one detail I actually remembered <laughs> out of everything else that happens in between. <laughs> and then on Abbott Mortimer's deathbed, he's like, you know what? You and Cornflower were cute together. I give you permission to get <laughs> married. And that's pretty much the end. And yeah. it was
0: Captain Snow, by the way.
1: Captain Snow.
0: That
1: was right. Yeah, he and Beer are super gay for each other. It's like not even thinly veiled. Like yeah. they're friends who live together, but they're annoyed with each other because Beer is a vegan and <laughs> Captain Snow slurps his soup too loudly. Gingerbeer is just like the perfect like arch queen. Yes.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, and I really it's- hope they have like Alan Cumming voicing him or something in the... Yeah in the cartoon because he would be perfect (laughs) yeah this was uh the first Redwall book you've read in like 20 years what was your impression
0: well as I said I have a lot of thoughts but I forgot how firstly I just forgot how like violent it was like I don't think I remembered you know Death of the Rats were so graphic in a way that I just like just didn't remember at all. I mean, I liked it. I like, it was so, it was nice to just kind of like get lost in the story. And I think I said this as when we, in our our last episode, but it was also nice just to make like really great progress. Like in 15 minutes, I could read like two chapters. Uh, because the chapters are really short. Yeah, I mean it was an in- enjoyable experience. I love Basil Staghair. I would, I would like Basil Staghair to be my dad. Your dad is like. I mean, Snow my Christmas. dad sort of is Basil Staghair. Yeah, in- especially yeah. with mustachios. Oh yeah. I really love Jess the squirrel. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just love all of these like high fluting, you know, Matthias, Methuselah, all these like really extraordinary names, and then Jess the squirrel.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> <And> I <Simon laughs> Sam and yeah silence i don't think mr squirrel even got a name no he was just mr squirrel so, you know we need to talk about that random beaver who shows up oh, and has like no name ever he's just the beaver and okay. like what do you think that was about do you think he just had like a buddy and that was his inside joke yeah sure beaver who like because he was a boxer so maybe he did have like some boxing buddy who whose name was beaver he's like yeah i'll put you in my book i think we've talked about this right The the What animals are in here are very confusing. Like, well, I did all this research after the fact. You know, (laughs) he wrote the manuscript. I'm sure I knew the story when I was younger, but so he writes this manuscript. He shows it to his English teacher in Liverpool, who, by the way, was also George Harrison and Paul McCartney's English teacher. Like, what an extraordinary man. (laughs) And without telling him, the teacher sends his manuscript off to a friend who's like an editor or something. And then he gets a five book deal in 1988 when children's literature is like super like passe at best Mm -hmm. or niche. And he made millions of dollars. (laughs) So he writes, so it's like, he writes Redwall first and then he's like, oh, I got to figure out what to do with the next four books. Hmm. And you'll see in Mossflower, like the rules of the world get a lot more cohesive. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've started, I started to reread it and I have to start it again because I started to read it a really long time ago, but yeah, I liked, I liked Moss Fowler a lot more than I like Redwall, but that's fine. That's a tale for another time. But yeah, it's, it was a really, it was a really interesting experience kind of rereading this and kind of being like, I don't, Cause it's, it's interesting. Cause it was, well, I, I started this whole journey, you know, rereading Martin, the warrior. So way back, way back in the middle of quarantine and with Martin, the warrior, I remembered a lot and this, I just didn't remember. So it well, was it's a- not the
1: best Redwall book by Except- like a long shot. It's definitely yeah. not the worst, but it's like right there in the middle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what were your, what were your, what was your reaction to reading this?
1: It really touched like a place in my soul. <laughs> Because it had to, (laughs) right? I fell in love with it all over again. Mm. You know, like, there's so many just, like, gorgeous turns of phrase, the way he, like, describes nature. He really loved his characters. And again, he was doing this in a time when YA was, like, a weird thing to do and was not really profitable unless you had a runaway bestseller, which he did. And, like, it's a pretty complex story considering. Yeah. Well, I mean, then You know, when you, you compare it to other, like, 80s fantasy novels it's right up there with anything written for an adult. Um, I think we'll have to do a bonus episode going over some of like the very shady quotes I found from him. Brian, (laughs) Jakes was kind of a bitch. (laughs) He would not call these a fantasy novel, but okay. Anyway, so, but you know, like I said, I cried. Like I think something that's really moving about all of the Redwall books is the way he talks about life and death. You know, he grew up during World War II, so I think he grew up around a lot of grief and fear. He was working class and worked on the docks of Liverpool. Like, I'm sure he knew a lot of people who died before their time. And then it was the 80s and AIDS, and, you know, I'm sure he knew people who died one way or another. But uh, he was a playwright, too. He was active in the Liverpool drama community. So, yeah, I would be, I wish that, like, People took him more seriously when he was alive, so you could talk about these things, right? But that's why I cried whenever, when, when Muthuza and Abbott Mortimer died, because it was still so, like, sorrowful, yeah. and the sort of description of Abbott Mortimer saying, I lived a good life, and I don't need to do anything else. Like, I hope we all get to say that. Yeah, You know, and I think, yeah, just like this really beautiful, like the way it describes the relationships between young people and adults. I can see that both for myself as like a 11 year old and for a lot of other kids, like wanting to believe that adults are people who are going to be befriend you and take you seriously and protect you. Um, And I think for kids who already had that, it was very affirming. And for kids who didn't, or who really, really didn't, like Redwall created that world where they could be. Yeah. So I fell in love again. I'm really happy I'm rereading them because there've been a lot of times over the years where I've tried to make this writing so bad, but I guess, you know, with COVID, (laughs) (laughs) you want to go back to what's comforting. So I'm excited because I know this isn't even the best one and I really enjoyed reading it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that is one of the things that, I really noticed about, about this is that, you know, it's a pretty straightforward plot, right? In, in kind of going from, you know, what needs to happen, right? Matthias needs to kind of like wake up and become the embodiment of Martin that he's supposed to be, right? And in order to do that, he needs to find the sword. He goes, he needs to find the sword and the shield and he finds the sword and, you know, he defeats one minor villain and then he defeats the major villain, you know, who had been plaguing everyone as throughout the book. So like that actual plot is very simple, but one of the things that I found so fascinating about this is that there were so many kind of like twists and turns and steps to that plot that it's a YA novel, but it's a really complex one. So, you know, he finds, he wakes up right one morning and he's like, I have to find, we have to defend the Abbey. Oh, there are no weapons oh, what, you know, what about that guy? <laughs> what about Martin? Where is his stuff? And so they go on a treasure hunt and they find that and they find the riddle and then they find the shield. And then they like do more research and they realize that the shield needs to go on top of the tower. So they go on top of the tower at a very specific time and it, it points to the weather vane and Jess <laughs> goes to get the sword from the weather vane. But the weather, it's not there. So they are like, well, what... You know what we sh- what should we do? Oh, there are sparrows, so they climb to the top of the thing to see what's up, and then you know this happens and that happens, and this- then they discover that they don't have the sword, and they have to go get it from Asmode. You know, so it's it's one all it's this thing one thing after another that really keeps you invested. You know, because as I said, the the actual plot very simple, but the way it gets there is really awesome and really complex. I think this
1: is why Prisoners of Azkaban was, or I guess it was the second one, right? With the Baswisk and Harry Potter was my favorite because there was like a mystery and they have to go find something. Like, I'm very familiar (laughs) after Redwall with books where that happens. (laughs)
0: That's Prisoner of Azkaban was my favorite, but um, well, actually my favorite was the novel-length fic I wrote in my head between books Mm -hmm. six and seven. And I just don't accept anything that's not that in my head, so, right. But yeah, so that was that was kind of one of the like the big revelations, you know. And coming from like Tamora Pierce, who who is also kind of an epic fantasy writer, but in a much different way. But unlike Tamora Pierce or, or especially J.K. Rowling, one of the things that sets these two authors apart from Brian Jakes is that Brian Jakes. You know, while he explains some things in his world, how some things work, and we'll definitely get into that later, he doesn't explain the scale of his world. So how large are the badgers as compared to the voles or the mice? He really doesn't explain kind of how everyone is shaped in relation to each other.
1: Brian Jakes said, it's a book, use your imagination. And I think that was really just his way of saying, I didn't think about it. I don't feel like thinking about it which I think is like another like (laughs) huge difference between like the 90s and now where he could be like I don't know I don't care and that's fine and that was a satisfactory answer and in the 2000s we have like fucking JK Rowling making up backstories that she never put in the book to satisfy her whimsies and her fans (laughs) so yeah it's just interesting to see how things have changed
0: that's true So that was
1: episode two. Thanks for
0: tuning in to our discussion. Next time on episode three, we dive into kind of some more of the analysis of Redwall. So we talk about the violence that's in this text, which is surprisingly a lot. We talk about whether we consider Brian Jakes is a racist or just a baby boomer. And then we also discuss queer Clooney and debate whether Brian Jakes said queer rights in Redwall. That's it for now. Stay tuned. We're excited to have you back in the Abbey. Have a good one.